Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard Thanks fight. for waiting. That was girl. the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Facebook, at In the 608. I'm Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And welcome, Ben. We're getting close to wrapping up a whole third season. Yeah, November is generally the last full featured episode of the year. Yeah, we'll do some holiday festivities we coming will. up. but We'll have a little Christmas gift for you come December. But here's the last of our legitimate content. <laughs> Not that we're illegitimate at any other points of the year. Thanks for being here. Real Estate in the 608 is a real estate podcast. For each episode, we bring in a guest to talk about real estate. It, you said thank you. November is a month of thanks. Sure. We got Thanksgiving there at the end. We appreciate you. Yeah, we've I've heard from feedback from some folks there on like a, sometimes a two, three month delay, and that's all right. I heard from last month's guest, Bob Stigsell, uh-huh. had two of our of our listeners reach out uh, and have some asbestos issues of their own. Oh, that's good. In each episode, we, uh, we discuss the real estate headlines of the day. Yeah, not always about asbestos. We're <laughs> going to bring in a guest, a guest that talk about all different kinds of things. Last month, yes, it was asbestos. And we've talked about all kinds of home-related issues, but we've also talked about some real estate and or social issues as well. And that's actually what we're going to talk about in just a moment here. We'll recap the highest and lowest price sales in Dane County. We'll enjoy the top of the hour tip and the market update from some of our friends at the Lauer Realty Group. As you'll find out soon, we surround ourselves with people who are smarter than us. And one of those people that we have on each month is Phil Plort, president of Blimling and Associates. He says things that just sometimes seem wise like an owl. Yeah. Kind of got the finger on the pulse. He's got his ear on the rail. I don't know. What is the, what's the metaphor that you can use? <laughs> He's just sage in some ways. Yeah, he yeah. said, he, I wrote this down. He said, it's good to be back in the business of the business we're in. Mm. Yeah, we'll find okay. out why why he'd say something like that a little bit later. <laughs> and we'll also feature uh, music from artists right here in the 608 because we like to keep it local. Introducing ourselves again, we are. My name is Adam Elliott. I'm a homeowner, a teacher. I do UX work. Uh, used to be on the radio in Madison. I'm Ben Anton. I'm a broker associate at the Lauer Realty Group. I am a homeowner times several and and a uh, and a landlord. Our guest that's going to be uh, on the line this week is Tiffany Malone of the Alvarado Group, right? Yes, she's going to join us to talk about a new program designed to tackle the disparities between white and underrepresented groups in homeownership, whom with the Own It program is tackling issues born in restrictive covenants, redlining, and institutional racism right here in Madison. Yeah, the Own It program. Cool. I'm, I'm curious to, to talk more about her about this topic. In the past, we have discussed uh, at many different points that homeownership is one of the ways that people stay wealthy and get rich over time. Likely you've heard the term generational wealth, the kind of wealth that a family is able to to pass on is often the result of real estate and property ownership. Yeah. So uh, it'll be a good learning experience today. Ben, what's been going on since last time? There's been a lot going on since last time. 
I talked a little bit about a sheriff sale foreclosure. Yeah. That we were the winning bid, but we had some difficulty acquiring the property and that it was still occupied. That's a whole a whole nother episode, and it doesn't always feel great, but we've gained entry. It's ours now. We have okay. taken possession of the East High Fixer. Um, I'll plug Facebook here as I, I posted a new album, uh, I think entitled, in fact, the East, Side, East High Fixer, um, to, to give it a look at like, what kind of houses might you buy at a sheriff's sale and what might those houses look like on the inside after a homeowner has been, uh, has been unable or unwilling to pay the uh, mortgage for long enough. You can certainly imagine that other things are going uh, unfixed or needs going unmet. Every once in a while, we get into some things that are a little difficult, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not just difficult to talk about, but like difficult to execute. So I would like all investment strategies, investments involve risk or loss. Nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Um, <laughs> the lawyers make us say that, right? <laughs> the lawyers, the lawyers would probably advise I throw that out. Because since that sheriff sale foreclosure, uh, Rhonda and I at Deacon Housing, uh, in which the wise Phil is a partner, um, also acquired a home that was a tax lien foreclosure. And it was through that process that I learned that a tax lien foreclosure is quite different than a sheriff sale foreclosure. Tax lien means like taxes are owed on the place before you can buy it or take ownership of it? It means that because the previous owner failed to pay their taxes for quite a long time, the county, as the primary taxing authority, was able to foreclose upon the house and take possession. Oh, okay. But when they sell a house that's been foreclosed on in that manner, it doesn't necessarily give you the free and clear title that a sheriff's sale foreclosure and a foreclosure of a primary mortgage would. There were some hurdles and then some stumbles and some some uh, steep learning curve, but in that uh, in this since we since we talked last, uh, Ron and I have acquired a second uh, foreclosure uh, to add to our list of fixers. And fixing is the business <laughs> that you're in these days <laughs> that we're in. And and I think that and that and that for the most part is what Phil meant by that. We are back in the business of, of fixing up homes that have been neglected gotcha. and, and homes that have been uh, a scourge to their neighbors and properties that, that have been an eyesore. What's been going on since last time for me? I mean, nothing, no, no joke from what you're saying there, but nothing going on but the rent <laughs> for me. Uh, other than I would like to file my annual grievance of daylight savings time for messing up my schedule and my sleeping and all those things. It feels like it's two in the morning right now, <laughs> even though we're only recording this at like five in the afternoon. <laughs> I, I I got barked at by a dog and, and then I, I said to the lady, I said, well, I said, well, the dog's just curious why the hell you're taking her out so late. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's been going on since last time. Uh, what's been going on from the headlines? From the headlines, at some point we might have to do an episode about schools and their effect on on property values. Sure. It's one of people's first questions, like how are the schools in the the neighborhood, right? Um, It has been a hard road to hoe Mm. getting kids back to school and feeling like like they're part of the solution rather than part of a problem. There was was squad cars aplenty up and down East Washington today as there was another brawl 
uh, oh. at East High School. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I think we might, we're going to talk a little bit today about, uh, about charter schools as the ONIT program we mentioned, and mm. that we'll talk about with mm-hmm. Tiffany, is, is kind of almost centered at a charter school, and we'll find out why about that later. Certainly something to think about uh, for a real estate agent that, that does the majority of their business within a mile and a half of that high school. Yeah. I mean, coming out of the pandemic, this is just tough. These are hard times, and I think that's something that should be acknowledged. Another headline, maybe mm-hmm. you're, maybe you mm-hmm. uh, specifically or one of your friends is, uh, is, is affected by the the new aldermanic district. Yeah, they did, they did. The redistricting has taken place for the city of Madison, which very well could mean for you, the listener, that you might have a new alder next is, time you go to vote. That is correct. I know a good number of our listeners are in the Shank Atwood neighborhood, and and, mm-hmm. and part of that got peeled off. That made me curious. I was watching a, a bit on, on gerrymandering. Uh-huh. Not to say that the not districts that were these, gerrymandered. These were not. These districts seem pretty cut and dry. Yeah, didn't seem super gerrymandered. But did you know the historic origins of that term? I always wondered that because it's just like a weird word, gerrymander. All right. So Elbridge Gerry, uh, vice president under James Madison. Okay. Right. But he was also at some point the governor of Massachusetts, and he was the first to draw a gerrymandered map, it made one of the districts look like a salamander, and thus the term gerrymandering. Gotcha. So it's Gary, like G-E-R-R-Y. Right. Gary. That's and, how it... And the salamander, was he just like he, an amphibious no, person lover, or was that just happened how this partisan lines the, he wanted the, them to The drawn? map that he chose really did have a likeness to a salamander. <laughs> so, so now you know. Gerrymandering. And I saw that news story after I'd read about the, the aldermanic districts, and I said, I think people need to know that. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I like the historical perspective. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about salamanders. What about the lows and the highs? I'm going to pass over the two lowest sales as they are like borderline real estate. They do not they do not involve real property, and that's because they were trailer homes. You still rent the earth beneath you. Right. Yep. But it's nice to just think about, well, what, what are the other options? Well, there's another option. How many places are there for trailer homes? I mean, do we call these trailer parks still? I don't know if that's the correct nomenclature anymore. I think... I think a manufactured home community. Manufactured. How many manufactured home communities are there still in the area? Well, there's a couple here in Madison uh-huh. that usually next to something no one wants to live by, hmm. like the airport and the sewage treatment plant. They don't tra- they transfer with a bill of sale because it's personal property. Oh, gotcha. So, so the cheap. Property. So yeah. the legitimate cheapest sale in the city or in Dane County even was just down the street here at 2634 East Washington Avenue. $140,000, a one-room home that I'm imagining at some point may have had a commercial use, like it might have been an office for something, right? Mm-hmm. But 1,200 square feet, $140,000, smack dab in the middle between the the Washington, like across uh, from Burger King, you, yeah, got, yeah. you got the Washington, right. and then like this car care place, I think oh, it's sure. called like Tom's or something like yep, that. So yep, yep, yep. Right in the middle of that is this little bitty house. That just got left there, $140,000. As, as a real estate professional, if you were the one pitching that house, what would you say? I mean, like, uh, you're on the bus line. 
You're, you're also on East Washington Avenue, too. If the laundry machine breaks down, <laughs> boom. You're right next door. Car breaks down, Tom's Auto Clinic is right actually, here for you. Actually, the, the auto clinic, which was also for sale at the same time. It's a medium-sized house for a tiny price in a bad location. Gotcha. On the bus line, though. On the bus line. <laughs> All right. Highest price sale. Here we are at the very bottom of Monona. Not an area where you're thinking the million-dollar homes are down there. But here we are. $2.3 million for a home on Winona Way. On the water? On the water. Okay. Kind of big on the water, like all... like. Eight tenths of an acre, so pretty big. All right, it's like a hundred a hundred feet of frontage, so it's almost kind of what one might call like a double lot, I guess. Okay, right? um, two thousand two sells for five hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. They tear it down, then they build a house in two thousand and seven. It's five thousand square feet. The city assessor had it at one point one million dollars, and then it sells for twice that. So that tax bill, don't ever worry about what the assessed value is. Worry about what you're paying for it, because that's what yeah. the taxes are going to be. Right. So okay. in this case, taxes would have been, you know, a modest $22,000 a year. But they're now... $50,000 a year in taxes. For a $2.35 million. And that's Monona. Is it in it's the city not of Monona, Monona or is it Madison? See, that's the weird part yeah. down there. It's on Monona. But it's in Madison. Uh-huh. And you are, I, whenever I sell a house, you give directions. And sometimes you you don't tell them the shortest way. You tell them the most beautiful way. Sure, yeah. Right? $2.3 million, you're going to be like, drive past the dying strip mall. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> take a left at McDonald's and go down the hill to your hat floats. Like <laughs> like the directions, like the approach is what I call it. Like yeah. you want to give them a good approach. Right. Yeah. So it's a, that's a tough sell, 2.3 million across from it's kind of across from Southtown. Yeah. It's you got to really want to put your pontoon boat on the lake and have easy access. It's a access beautiful to it, home, right? And this is likely a sign of things to come. Oh. But in August, it listed it said the owners would really like to stay through October. So that's when it closed. And not only did they get more than they asked for by $150,000, but they got to stay there. As long as they wanted. For the most part, until the weather got chilly. <laughs> and, and who knows where they went. It was a cash sale. And they're off to Florida. Three to bedrooms. Snowbird for the season. <laughs> five bathrooms. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I know some people that like that late goal. Like, that's the goal. Regardless of like what it's going to cost to get there, like if you can get to that goal of house on a lake, they're happy with it. You know, it's not my style, but it is certainly some people's style. Someday, I, someday I'll buy the five hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar <laughs> house that needs to be torn down, and I'll try to fix it up and see how that goes. Oh man, those are the highs and the lows. Our guest, who's coming in in just moments here, is going to be Tiffany Malone with Own It, the Own It program, which is about building black wealth. We're looking forward to seeing her in just a moment. I got the blues, cause my baby left me by the San Francisco Bay. On the 
Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. Top of the hour tip, we, we talked a little bit about buyer letters. We're, we're meeting with Tiffany Malone from the um, Alvarado Real Estate Group and talking about underrepresented groups in homeownership. Um, and many of the hurdles that they have faced trying to achieve that over the decades. One of those things, unconscious bias. A way that unconscious bias can come up frequently, especially in a market we've had for a few years now where it's very competitive, people are receiving multiple offers. Some of those offers may be pretty similar. And what buyers are doing to set themselves apart in a lot of cases are sending along a personal letter to the sellers to try to like pull on the seller's heartstrings a little bit and say, this is who we are and we would love to own your house and care for it. And the issue is that oftentimes it could potentially have implicit bias where someone sees a picture of someone, maybe that person looks just like the person who's selling the house. It is a thing, though, that other states have come out and said, you know, we aren't going to allow this anymore because it could have implicit bias. I have allowed my clients to do as they wish, but it's usually after a discussion relating to the issue and kind of shining a light on what could be problematic, especially if we start to give way or or shine light on what are protected classes, family status gender, sexuality, and that you don't even necessarily think about as propagating or promoting racist-based decisions. Being in an industry that has the history of redlining, we have to be very, very careful to not be perpetuating racism. Thank you, Asher. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Come a little bit closer, hear what I you're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. Uh, coming up in just a moment, our in-studio guest, uh, Tiffany Malone. But Ben, what's been going on with the house that Rhonda bought? Have, do we have some like wrap-up on this story now? I feel I feel like we wrapped up. The house that Rhonda bought, they've, they've moved in. Oh, and uh, you said that's the finality piece, right? Once they move in, we're done with in, it. Once they the house is no longer the one that she built. It's the one that she rents out. Uh, the landscaping happened like... The days after occupancy was granted, um, delayed slightly because the concrete folks had to install the driveway, which when they moved in, you could walk on but not drive on. So, I mean, it was right up there, right up there to the deadline. Um, But big picture, and Rhonda doesn't listen, nor will she ever be on, uh, but I think like the the, the takeaway was with no general contractor or acting as the general contractor herself, Rhonda built a house for about $216 per square foot. And that is like very much on par with even the most affordable, simple homes. And I feel less per square foot than homes in the area are selling currently and less 
uh, per square foot than homes of equal quality would be selling for. So there was a lot of lessons that were learned, a mm-hmm. few little hiccups, little things that we would do differently next time, but nothing significant. And in the end, a quality product for a decent price. House that Rhonda built, period. All right. We'll put a wrap on that project and maybe we'll fill in with your, your other stories that yeah. you're pursuing at we'll the pick, moment. We'll pick up on both that East High Fixer and then the uh, the tax lien foreclosure uh, might be our new little updates that we share. Okay, we'll take another quick break here before we talk to Tiffany Malone. Boy, I want to keep you You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. On the line, we have Tiffany Malone. Tiffany's a real estate consultant with the Alvarado Group, also a representative of the Own It program. Tiffany, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I was just listening to you and Ben chatter about real estate, and I can already tell you know way more than I do because like you two went very insider really quick, <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, oh boy, I better set myself up here. I think do I, this right. I first met Tiffany as as uh, to discuss uh, a different affordable. I'll call it an affordability program. And I appreciated that that she could see some of the same shortcomings and 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 hurdles that that the system creates, uh, and that and that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to have her tell us about the Own It program and how it was designed. I was excited to learn about this program in that it was designed specifically to kind of circumvent some hurdles that traditional systems might have have put in place. Here's a little bit about Tiffany. Moving to the Chicago area, moving to Madison from Chicago in the mid-90s and at a relatively young age, Tiffany did much of her primary schooling in Middleton, then moved to Madison, wrapping her secondary education at Madison's West High School. With a degree in studies including human services and criminal justice, she has worked in the insurance industry as well as the real estate industry. She's been practicing real estate since 2017, volunteers with several organizations. Many of them have an eye toward equity and inclusion uh, in the schools, uh, but also, as we will learn today, even in larger society. So we know all these things about her, Adam, but what do we not know? There's one singular question that we've got to find out before we go deep into the issues. Is Tiffany fun? And the only way we can do that is ask some questions via a game we like to play. It's a get-to-know-you game, a quiz game, a Madison history and environs trivia game we call The Way It Used to Be. There used to be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be All right, Tiffany, are you ready? I am ready When you give me a correct answer, you will hear a bell ring Good luck Now you were So you were relatively young when you got to Madison So I, I, I tried to think about that period of time and that you might have been like eyes wide open to all the things around you uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and getting to learn your new city. So first question, former McDonald's, and I did this instead of former bars, which we could all, that's like the standard 
quiz questions are like, what did that bar used to be named? Oh, yeah. But anyway, you were only about 10 when you moved here. So, so, so there were two McDonald's in or near downtown. Name either of those locations where they were, where they were or what they were replaced with. Where, well, it was on the square. I don't know what it was replaced with. Probably a, a restaurant of some sort. And the other one was downtown near State Street. And now it is a, um, a mailing, like a postal office or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally right. That is totally <laughs> I, correct. I, did, I would not have thought of either of those. Really? What? I, the, yeah. the probably some kind of restaurant, I think, is still the Cooper's Tavern, unless that's not around anymore. Yeah, is that, that still there? That steak place, like right yeah, next, still there. Yeah, right next to the historical society or the museum, the, yeah. the veterans, the veterans museum. museum is right there. So yeah, yeah, on the on the north side of the square. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Used to be a McDonald's, and then yes, the Lake Street McDonald's is in fact today a United States post office. Hmm. So it is not just a mailing place. But that was more, more than enough correct. Well done. One Good for work. one, Tiffany. One for Good one. Job. Now, West High, that puts us out on Regent Street. In what year did Big Mike's become Melio's? <laughs> I don't know. I don't eat subs. All right. Well, then, okay, there's a part two where you can get the bell rung. Was it before <laughs> or after your graduation from West High? It was probably after. 2004. This is that corner shop that's by West High. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Tiffany. By the way, you're speaking to somebody who went to La Follette, so we, we can still be <laughs> friends. But uh, I, I'm not too familiar with the West Sides. So yes, stuff. Big yes. Big Mike's becomes Melio's in 2004. So Big Mike can pursue franchising opportunities outside of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two for two, Tiffany. All right. West High was built in 1930. What business? Located at the corner of Highland and Regent, surrounded by high school property, had been there already for 20 years when West High was built. Is it the cemetery? I'm going to ask you to clarify, but it, that, it, that it's answer... It's a business where you can buy tombstones. The tombstone business? It's the, <laughs> That's I'm right, gonna, yeah. I'm going to accept the tombstone business <laughs> for... What was the name of it? Do you know? Di Rienzo Monuments. Monuments. Oh, I very much remember that. Oh, it's still there. It's literally it's, is still, it still there. Is it still there? Oh. The, uh, <laughs> the business has moved. There was a building there, Di Rienzo Monuments, in 1910, 20 years before... West High was built. And you attended West High, Tiffany, right? What, what was the student take on that business being so close to the high school? Nobody cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> it wasn't Nobody even a cared. thing. Yeah. Is that just nope. where, where kids went to smoke? <laughs> <laughs> Not. Yeah, I wasn't too fond of smoking, but, you know, <laughs> to each their own. All right. Well, that's three bells. Three for three. That, uh, I, that equals fun, Tiffany. Congratulations. You have passed the test. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break for the market update, and then we'll be back with Tiffany to talk about Own It. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success 
comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. It's time for the market update on the phone with us, Uber agent. Asher Macedo. Hey, Ben. The market, it's actually really slow right now. That's pretty common this time of the year for it to slow down when it gets colder, when it gets darker, we're getting close to the holidays. There are some pockets of buyers out there that are getting really excited about homes that are in really good condition and in really desirable areas. Other houses are sort of sitting. Yeah, it it takes that special something. Right. And, you know, there's still good activity on houses, but a lot of buyers right now are not in a huge rush. Um, They're just sort of taking their time, which actually I am advising people that now is a perfect time to purchase because as soon as our spring market gets underway, mid-January, early February, it's going to be bonkers again. The other thing to think about as you list is that you need to be honest with yourself and and acknowledge that the highest prices of 2021 were already paid. All right. Well, thank you very much for the market update, Asher. You have a great afternoon. Thanks, Ben. Is this the main event we have? You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name, Adam. Right across the table from me is Ben Anton, and we make up the Real Estate in the 6018, but we're not complete until we have a guest with us. And our guest today is Tiffany Malone, a real estate consultant with the Alvarado Group, uh, also a representative of the Own It program, uh, which is about building black wealth. Tiffany, once again, thank you for joining us and well done on the quiz. Thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. You are too kind. One of the topics we try to talk about are social justice issues. We realize we have some responsibility in this space, and I think there should be an acknowledgement of the responsibility as we continue to think about, learn, look at the ways to dismantle systemic oppression, racism, and discrimination. I think the burden of learning how to do these things should not be on the shoulders of the oppressed or those who have been oppressed, rather on those who have oppressed, uh, even if not directly. I think we acknowledge, Tiffany, your effort in this space, and we want to thank you for your leadership, essentially, in this work. So, Tiffany, where did the idea come for the Own It program? And maybe it's worth talking about, well, what is the Own It program? Sure. So, basically, I'm the co-creator of Own It. There's Sarah Alvarado, who is co-owner of the Alvarado Group, along with Carlos Alvarado. But then we have Jeff Mack, um, Justice Cancieta, Grace Trorotha does education. So within the past couple of years, all this, all these bad things have happened with black and brown people. As you can see in the news, we have George Floyd, we have police brutality, we have the racial wealth gap. So we were thinking about like, how could we like donate money to somebody in regards to building black wealth? Not necessarily as, um, you know, everybody's not fit to be a homeowner. Mm-hmm. I'm a full-time realtor and I've seen some crazy stuff and heard some crazy things and we all know everybody's not shouldn't own a home some people are lifelong renters and that is okay in regards to wealth like there's certain things that you need to be educated on in regards to getting to the next to the next level and we're not all educated on those we didn't all grow up like that I, I didn't grow up like that my mother 
was born in 1945 and had a middle school education and taught me nothing about credit, about owning anything, about like I had to write in my mom's checkbook how to spell certain words out. I was the primary person to teach myself and to get myself through school. So if nobody teaches you about wealth, nobody teaches you about credit, nobody teaches you about owning anything, nobody teaches you about life insurance, like mm -hmm. what happens? Mm -hmm. And then we also have a system to blame for that as well. Own It, Building Black Wealth, is basically just a two-part program designed to eliminate substantial barriers to wealth and home ownership for black families in Madison. We're partnered with One City Schools. It provides two key, two key elements. It's an educational program with access to down payment funds. After you get the funds, the down payment funds, there you'll have a mentor that follows up with you in regards to anything that you want to learn about. So I know, Ben, you've seen this too, but... The typical down payment funds, there's all these barriers. Like, let's say in Madison, you can't buy a house over $264,000. Like, that's a barrier to one of the down payment assistance funds. You can't live outside of Dane County. You have to have multiple inspections. Like, those are all barriers. But the down payment assistance fund through Own It, that's partnered with One City, the only uh, restrictions are you have to be a first-time homeowner and... Uh, homeowner meaning that a first-time homeowner meaning that you couldn't have owned a home within three years or maybe you divorced out and you don't own a home anymore and you have to have either a one unit or a two unit um residence those are the two restrictions and then you have to go through the program the funds are in a restricted account through fci and they'll be seasoned for you and sit there for you when you complete this program so when you are able to buy your home you can we don't have to go through all the extra hoops let's say getting another inspection or any of that other razzle-dazzle. I've worked with several uh, buyers who took advantage of, they're not wrong, it's not wrong that there's alternative methods for financing, but in a tight market like the one we're in today, expecting a seller to add several layers of contingencies on an offer or to accept an offer that is not only contingent upon a typical home inspection, but in some cases uh, through some city loans, through a lead paint inspection or through extra layer, there's it adds so many additional questions and uncertainties. We're talking, exactly. about, we're talking about people that are plopping down cash to win. How is that first-time buyer on the edges of affordability supposed to get their offer accepted when it comes with all these strings attached. Right. Yeah. So the, one of the things the Own It program has done is made these funds available, these down payment funds. Not only will their down payment be more significant because the money has been available, but the money is, is theirs to use wisely. And the wisely is how it's used because of the education that they sat through in order to receive the funds. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to make it as easy as easy as possible with less restrictions in order to get your foot into the door of getting a home. Down payment assistance is helpful for some families. It's great. If you can find a two-bedroom condo, if you can find a one-bedroom house, it's, it's, it is great if you have a seller that is willing to work with you and, and you have a educated buyer's agent that is willing to navigate you through that. With these funds, you don't need to hope and pray and 
talk to the other agent about, hey, I'm going to make this easy as possible for you. If anything needs to be done, I'm one call away and all this other stuff because these funds are restricted. It's cash. We don't mm -hmm. have to worry about the barriers in regards to it. Tiffany, what happened to folks before a program like this? Most of the, the parents and alumni at one city schools are, you know, middle-class families. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that let's say student loans, everybody has student loans that messes up your debt to income ratio. So if you have 60,000, 70,000, $80,000 in student loans, and you're looking at a house that's $350,000 or $400,000, how are you going to get this house if you don't have enough cash? Maybe you have $10,000 mm -hmm. and you need another 20. This program puts potential home buyers in a whole different ball game because without it they'd still be sit sitting there with all the loans and the debt to income ratio mm -hmm. problems mm -hmm. and everything else the traditional home buyer assistance program it creates this very narrow margin of people who can use it one because you have to not earn that much like it is reserved for people who don't earn a lot of money but then houses cost a certain amount they're not quote-unquote affordable, and there's a cap to the amount of house that you can buy. So you can't, you can't go apply for, a, for down payment assistance through the city of Madison or the county or whomever and think that you're going to go buy a $400,000 house because you'll be struck down. Yeah. That's one of the restrictions. So I think what I'm hearing is, is there are a lot of systems in play that are purposely leaving a lot of people without the opportunity to get that house well, it's not that on, they want. It's not on purpose, but you, in order to qualify for the, or she's talked, she mentioned the, the debt to income ratio, like you need a certain income to support the payment, but then you can't make more than a certain amount to qualify for the program, which creates like a gap. Like there's just, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people who earn just under the limit to get into mm -hmm. the program, which allows them to afford the very bottom end of a, re of a relatively average home. Because by the time, if you truly qualified for it because you hardly make any money at all, well, guess what? Your income is not significant enough to support the payment required. Correct. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. On the line, Tiffany Malone, a real estate consultant with the Alvarado Group, also a representative of the Own It program, which is what we're talking about today, which is about building black wealth. Earlier, Ben, you and I discussed the way people have built wealth in this country is typically through property ownership, right? And that gets passed on from generation to generation. Some folks, uh, particularly those who are black or brown, have not had the same access to that opportunity to build wealth over time. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to focus on is like, how can we give access and opportunity to allow more people to build wealth that they could potentially pass on to the next generation? And Tiffany, it sounds like with the owner program, you're working on like, what's a tactic we can do right now that could actually start the ball rolling? for some families to actually start building their own wealth. And that tactic is providing the cash so they can make that down payment. Am I getting that right? 
Correct. That's from a financial standpoint. From a historical standpoint, they are educated in regards to how we got here. Black and brown families, you know why we got here because of yeah. race-based funding, because of the GI Bill, because of redlining. Like, we're trying to change the narrative in regards to that. And the real estate industry, I think, um, can basically put their money where their mouth is and, and help in regards to that. Because, I mean, imagine a Madison where there are more people, it was a melting pot instead of predominantly white. There's an educational component and then a personal finance component. So it's a two-part um, series, and there's different cohorts in regards to that. So if you want to do something in regards to your credit, so let's say your credit is not where you want it to be, or you'd like to learn how to, because some of the families already have homes, and they're just basically learning in regards to education. Some people don't even know what type of loan that they have. Some people don't know if they can take money out, refi. Like, these are all components that are in the education program for owners. In many ways, the podcast is is intended for some of the same purposes, you know, to to make the information more accessible. We we fear what we do not understand. We're trying to help people understand their home and the different components. So not only are you teaching people uh, a brief history as it relate uh, of of race and as it relates to real estate, um, but then also the finance side, does it? Does anyone go into like the, the joys of home ownership? So we just got done with our first educational course um, two weeks ago. There was basically eight, eight courses. We meet on Sundays um, from 2 to 3.30. There were, there were 37 families that signed up. And we go through different things like in regards to taxes, in regards to credit, in regards to... Um, how much money you can put in your 401k. But that's just in regards to the education portion in regards to that money standpoint. But yes, there are some people in the program who are strictly in the program to learn more and they already have a house, but they want to learn mm-hmm. how to leverage their house. The other downside of some of, of those first time uh, buyer, uh, lower income call, you know, those, those pro- down payment assistance programs is that these are people who are new to home ownership. Maybe they historically they were not their family did not own a home, and the work of owning a home is new to them. There's no landlord. There's no super. How do we maintain a house? How do we keep the house? How do we protect our investment? I think that kind of education is going to be as important when we're talking about people that maybe didn't grow up around it. Correct, and that's why we um, provide inter- information in regards to like preferred vendors and home warranties Mm -hmm. and getting your taxes escrowed because there's more to owning a house than just, Hey, I'm going into my house and I'm paying the mortgage. You have to protect your investment. And some people don't understand that concept. And that's why I said in the beginning that some people are just not meant to be homeowners. They're just meant to be lifelong renters, but other people are, you can still build wealth without owning a home. But if you want to own a home and build wealth, we want to be here for you to do that. Tiffany, you said you just had a cohort or a class go through. What, what were some of the things they said? What were some of the things they liked? Some people didn't know that you could max out your 401k. That was one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a whole budgeting series. A lot of people cut out eating out during the week because they seen how much money that they were spending on eating out. I mean, like 
hundreds of dollars a week and they see that they can save that money instead of spending it and maybe only eat out on a Saturday. So they love like the, the budgeting aspect of it. Yeah. They love to see all their expenses down, all the money coming in, all the money going out. I think once you see that on a hard copy, you kind of check yourself and you're like, whoa. I may have been able to buy an extra house with all the lunches I didn't eat out during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm slowly, I'm, as I'm slowly starting to like do those things again, I'm noticing like, okay, well, there's where that money was coming money, from. Right. What makes the the partnership with One City Schools work? Because One City Schools, the founders claim care and he has a two-generational model. When you enroll your child at One City, you commit to a full engagement. So we've been working with him closely, and he not only works with the kids, but he works with the family. So, like, he's super, super close with the families. Like, even the first week of school, they, they aren't teaching. They're getting to know the child. They're getting to know the child's learning skills and behavior, whatever type of behavioral things that they have going on. And they couple the parents in with it. It's like a big family. So, like, his charter school is, like, something that's never been done before. They have a big campus over off Monona Drive. By the time these kids graduate high school, they should have an associate's degree. They go to school year-round. They wear uniforms. It's very structured. It's amazing. There's nothing else like it in Dane County. It's interesting. It sounds kind of like a like a 360-degree learning model where you're not only teaching, like, in the class. You're also teaching outside of the class and not just, like, core skills but life skills. Correct. And I think it's important to see, like, not only teachers at school, but to see them outside of school, like, we're just excited because we just know partnering with one city was, it, it was like a perfect fit. Like there was no second guessing it. And the, and, and something like that or in a position where he has the autonomy to make the, to make it happen. There's a, it sounds mm-hmm. like he may, I don't want to say the benevolent dictator, but you know, when someone is make someone designed a program and they can make a slot for you. And there's not as much government. Because he wants as much to see his family or, succeed. Yeah. Many he wants to see the family succeed and be in the next income bracket. And when the family when families succeed, children succeed. It's just a model. It's like you mimic what you see. Curious, Tiffany, there's also a component for folks in the real estate industry, some of the educational programming. We've been talking to local brokerages in regards to um, partnering with us to to give to own it, building black wealth, right? So um, I know we give to like United Way and we give to Second Harvest Food Bank and we give to the Humane Society and that can come directly out of our commission check. So these and these items or things can come directly out of our commission check and we are in real estate, why wouldn't we give to building black wealth? Mm-hmm. So we've been part, we've been talking to um, neighborhood associations as well as brokerages in regards to partnering with us um, in regards to this. And it's been very eye-opening for people that who want to jump in the bandwagon and it's been very eye-opening for people who don't have the time or, or capacity, as they say, to jump on the bandwagon and to make in order to make this change. But I think that us as brokerages, as lenders, as title companies, as realtors, like what what better way to lead and show that we're trying to change the narrative than what than what's going on now, right? Is the is there a specific amount to the to the gift that each family receives? 
Um, it's $15,000 for each family. Right now we have um, a, a little bit over $275,000 raised. Our goal is $500,000 this year. We haven't officially started fundraising, but that's just been all through donations. Um, I donate through every commission check. The Alvarado Group donate, donates to every commission check. <laughs> and you, Tiffany, by the way, you are welcome to blast out like how you could participate in this, not just in the, inside the real estate industry, but others, well, too. Right. Well, what we want, basically, number one and foremost is that um, we want to advocate for policy change, right, mm-hmm. within the lending institutions and government-backed loan programs. Like, that's number one. We'd like different banks to hop on board. Um, Park Bank is a huge supporter of us. Shout out to Jeff Mack over there. So we can't complain in regards to that. Um, we also have some, some specific working groups. We have a realtor working group. We have a fundraising working group. If you want to get involved, we do have a website that you can hop on and own it, bbw.com. We do have an email address if you like to email us and have any questions in regards to that. But, like, we're trying to pave the way, and we want this. Our our ultimate goal is for this to be national, and then Mm -hmm. hopefully one day we won't even need this, right? Right. Yeah. I want to go back just just for a second. One of the – so there's $15,000, and – one of the words uh, Tiffany used earlier was seasoned, and that means that the money is has been sitting there in the possession of the future homeowner for a period of time. So that Correct, they, in a restricted account, right. FCI, in the name of the homeowner and FCI, and that money will sit there until they're ready to use it or they find a home. Um, so it's not going anywhere. It's allocated for them. Right. And they don't have to worry about that. As long as you go through the program and you are a one city parent, student, staff, or alumni, you're good to go. And that's going to satisfy a lender because they need to see that any money you're bringing, in order to qualify for a conventional mortgage, they need to see that the money you're bringing is yours. Mm-hmm. And that it's been yours for an amount of time and that it is not a gift or there is no expectation that you would pay it back. See, we talked about the generational wealth component. Conventional loans do allow a parent to gift a child money. Mm-hmm. So they are allowed, a, a, a first-time homebuyer is allowed to receive a gift from a parent. But no one but else... how many black families historically... Are um, in that position to get funds gifted from a family member. That's more common for white families, like not black families. Exactly, that's a great point. Yes. Yep. So this is a way for a traditionally underrepresented home ownership group to receive funds as a gift, not from the family that wouldn't necessarily be as likely to have that to share. As we've learned, uh, and Tiffany, feel free to sound off on your experience here too. The market is nuts right now, and you have to have <laughs> that that liquidity or that money ready to go if you are going to get a place. Correct. You you have to be ready. You have to write a strong offer. And when I say strong, people always say, "What's a strong offer? What is a strong offer? A strong offer meaning that you have the funds." If you're, if you're yeah. offering over asking price, you have the funds to pay for that over asking price offer. You have to have some inspection language in your offer if you get an inspection. Like with typical down payments, you can't have all the, the extras. 
let's imagine it's a $300,000 home and that the minimum down payment for that home is 5%. But let's say that this $300,000 home is contested and someone wants to offer $315,000. If you offer more than the asking price, it is for the most part the expectation of the seller for you to take on the risk that that property may not appraise for what you offered. Now, there's a certain assumption that it should appraise for what they asked, but that's a $15,000 margin. So, a buyer in that situation would need $30,000 down because they would need to cover 100% of that $15,000 margin over the 300 ask. Mm-hmm. And then they would need the minimum down payment of 5% of the remaining 300 or $15,000. Does that make sense? I think so. So where does that leave the buyer then? Well, that leaves the buyer, if they had $30,000 in their pocket, it puts them into a house with only 5% down until they would someday hopefully get an appraisal for better. Mm. And it would show a better loan-to-value ratio. And that 30000 sounds like a big if sometimes. Well, the $30,000 is, you know, if the appraisal came back better, then you might not need the whole $30,000 yeah. as a down payment, but you're going to deal a lot in worst case scenarios. And yeah. that's, and that's I say that all, all the time to my people. Well, here's the worst case scenario. Are we okay with that? Yeah. And I mean, that right there, that like is a great scenario of like, Maybe, Tiffany, some of the educational components of the program, because like me, I, I pay somewhat attention to the real estate market. <laughs> and like that would have completely confused me uh, to the T. I would have been like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now um, with that. But like if <laughs> host know, of local real estate <laughs> podcast pays some kind of pays some attention to the real estate market. I'm willing to admit that like this is not my expertise. Area. That's why you're here for me, Ben. And Tiffany, that's why you're here for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, what else would you like to tell us about the Own It program? What I like about the program, well, I haven't seen this yet, but hopefully this spring is when we'll have several families that will actually buy homes. And I can't wait to see their, them and their children yeah. purchase their first homes. Like That's going to be super exciting for me. And whenever we get a donation, no matter how big or small it is, it's like I'm, I'm teary-eyed because I'm grateful because nothing like this is around and we're actually helping people and changing the narrative and not being a part of the problem or being a part of the solution. And that's super awesome. And I've met some incredible people along the way that, have, that are like-minded and have the same vision. We run into people all the time and agents all the time who, you know, like won't deal with any of this down payments or if you're only approved for 300000 or any of that. But to, to talk to people and to work with people who, you know, want to change the narrative and, and be a part of the solution, it's awesome and, like, fills my heart. So that's the best part for me. Like, I, I can't complain in regards to that. And um, it's kind of like, you know, looking at some of the families or talking to some of the families, it's just like talking to some people that you've come in contact with or some family members, and it's like, you know, they're so grateful and it feels like you're actually helping. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a beautiful vision like there. I love that. And I love that. It's like, it's honorable work to do this too. Um, so, you know, that makes me happy that you are involved in this program. It was in fact, uh, with Madison area land trust, Madison area community land trust. See, she, Tiffany also helps <laughs> out that the Madison area community land trust, uh, which is a home, which owns, 
is a program where the land trust retains ownership of the land. Oh, yeah. yeah. Making the home upon it more affordable. Um, but there, it, w- it was her honesty about some of the hurdles that that same program creates and and presents as you try to divest yourself from it. Like once you've taken advantage yeah. of that leg up, are you able to smoothly transition into traditional home ownership? And that's and that's something that is is challenging also. So yeah. uh, a challenge that I will face with some of my buyers. Yeah, I mean clearly system isn't perfect yet. No, um, but not. the work to make it better is what's important. Correct. And the land trust is a great option for some people. It's not a great option for all. And to get into some type of affordable housing, that would be a great option. So why don't we take a break, Tiffany, and we'll circle back with how people can get involved, including uh, donating to the fund. Time for Phil's phone in. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling and Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of Dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. I want to buy a house in Arizona. That urge will only grow as winter arrives in Wisconsin. But here's the problem. Phoenix is one of the hottest real estate markets in America. Prices are up more than 30% compared to last year. Watching that unfold, I've been thinking about the difference between traders, investors, and dwellers. Traders care a lot about momentum. One of Dennis Gartman's rules of trading goes something like this. Our job is not to buy low and sell high. It's to buy high and sell higher. If you are flipping a stock or a house, you just need to figure out a way to ride the wave. It doesn't matter much what the price was last year. Investors need to have a wider frame of reference. If we are talking about a five or 10 year holding period, the longer term trends are more important. Does history say prices can be a lot lower in two years? And on the front end, I think you look for some sort of an edge, an undervalued sector or neighborhood, an unloved company or property with potential. Dwellers are in a different category. If I'm going to be in something for 20 plus years, an index fund that matches my objectives and risk tolerance is probably just as good as anything. Similarly, if I'm going to have this house for two decades, finding something that works financially and I really like is probably more important than whether I pay 5% too much. When I look at Arizona, I'm somewhere between an investor and a dweller. It sort of leaves me paralyzed, looking at listings and wondering what to do but we'll figure it out as we plan to spend fewer Februaries in the 608. Until the next time, back to you, Ben. listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Find us online at inthe608.com. My name, Adam. His name, Ben. Uh, on the phone, we've had Tiffany Malone, real estate consultant with the Alvarado Group, also a representative of the Own It program, which is all about building black wealth. Um, Tiffany, it's been wonderful talking to you today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. 
Let's talk about how people can engage with the program as well. Our vision is um, basically it's a pilot program with one city schools, and if it's successful, we'll basically model onto other charter schools or neighborhood associations. How realtors can help support us is they can increase the dialogue and understanding. Um, they can contribute financially. Um, they can basically put a little pressure on the brokerage to sign up as well. Hint, hint, Ben. Um, <laughs> Busted. <laughs> Called out right here on your own program. What's a what's a good what's a good percentage of the commission that some of the agents are off that are are kicking back? Every everyone's different. If you only want to put in ten dollars a commission check, that's fine. Only put ten. Some people put one percent. Some people put two. It, it just depends on the agent. You want to call me out? There's, you want to, there's you want no to, minimum. You want to no force minimum. my hand right now? No, there's no yep. minimum. <laughs> let's make it. Let's make it. Let's make a declaration. If you call, okay. if you call Tiffany or I up, and you use either of us to help you buy your next home, twenty five percent, Tiff. Twenty five percent. Let's do it. Let's do it. You call. Oh, you call right. either of us up. You say, "I heard you fools on real estate in the six oh eight, and that is why I'm calling you because I want to buy a house and I want to see twenty five percent of that money go to the uh, own it program. Correct, and then you'll get a you'll get a nice letter from FCI saying, "Hey Ben, this is your donation, and you can show your your buyer, or your seller this to to clarify that you've actually sent the money over." Oh. All right, well there it is. I like it. The gauntlet we, has been thrown we down. Said, we right said here. it. We did it right here. Any new business out of this little call to action is going to put some money in the pockets of the own it program. You heard it first. There you go. All right. So that's one way to do it. But what if I'm just a um, regular folk and I want to send you, you some money? How do I do that? Regular folk, um, you can support us by going to our website at um, ownitbdw.com. Uh, you can go on there and donate. And you don't, I mean, you can donate. You don't have to have any long papers that Ben was complaining about. <laughs> it's all electronically. Um we have an advisory team that you can come and talk to us and help us get this initiative off the ground. Um, we also have a mailing list. You can get on our mailing list at ownitbbw at gmail.com. We do have community outreach as well as we, we facil facilitate presentations. Um, if you want to hear us, if you want to hear us talk, if you want information, if you want to know what books to read in regards to um, breaking these generational curses, please reach out. Like we are here. We want to make a change, but, um, we need your help too. And, and it's important that you educate yourself as well. I mean, we can talk to you all day long until we're black and blue, but you know, it's up to you. I might also suggest, cause I like to plug Facebook pages. Um, the own it program has a Facebook page. And I learned about a fundraising effort that was happening at Glass Nickel Pizza because I followed their mm. Facebook page. So I might like them on Facebook just so that I was made aware of additional and perhaps easy or seamless opportunities to see additional funds go to them. And did you order pizza? Uh-oh, the silence. <laughs> the silence is your answer. I just told you I'd give you 25% of my commission. <laughs> So no no at the time at that moment exactly I did not order any pizza but it was at that moment that I said here's a nice neighborhood business that's getting behind these folks I need to have them on the podcast so it all comes around thank you it's all yes. coming a full circle yes Tiffany both Ben and I have some more work to do in putting our money where our mouth is so uh, 
we are going to continue to work on that. Yeah, thank was, you. We appreciate that. <laughs> own it, BBW on the web and on Facebook. We're going to make sure that uh, that Tiffany gets that warm feeling she described every time she sees money come down the pipeline. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. We appreciate your time. Thank you. listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Find us online, uh, in the 608.com, also on Facebook. Ben, what was that? That was Tiffany Malone, real estate consultant with the Alvarado Group and co-creator of the Own It program, a program designed to build black wealth. She's doing great work. I, I like to hear the things that she's talking about. I think the most exciting part is that you, the listener... Mm-hmm. The not yet homeowner or the the potential home buyer or seller, you call up Tiffany or I and you say, I'm calling you because you support this program. And she and or I, or well, probably she or I, unless you're buying two houses, uh, <laughs> will we'll kick back 25% of that that sale commission to the to the own it program. That's great. That's very generous of you. Um, and I appreciate you, you making that offer as well as Tiffany, too. Th- I mean, the thing I really like about this program is that, like, there's the community building aspect of it, is that we're thinking about us instead of just me uh, when 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 we think about this program, because it's creating a level of inclusive, inclusivity and, and fairness that has not been present. Coming from someone who who sees how easy it needs to be. Yeah. You know, like the the program being born of someone who is trying to help people into homes and saying these are the hurdles that so many other down payment programs present. Let's just bulldoze through those and get straight to the money. Yeah. And I put mean, the money in the hands of the people who need it. The the action component of this that it's actually doing something that causes effect right now, like that is great. You don't see that a lot. And at the same time, they're they're learning the whys. Yeah. Not yeah. only the how did we get here, uh, and how might we uh, get away from this, but also how to be a better homeowner. How to how yeah. to how to make the most of that money once it's given to you. Yeah. Speaking of the whys, there is a place that people can go the newsletter to find out more about why and what real estate in the six hundred eight is. I thought you meant like speaking of the whys. Like speaking of the wise things, the wise that I, owl that I might say oh, yeah. in the twenty second, twenty second read, a <laughs> newsletter arriving on or about the twenty second, written in easy to digest segments, taking no longer than twenty seconds to read. It's going to have the market update, some tips on homeownership, as well as a little recap of what we did here. And how would I sign up for that? You'd sign up for that by going to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight on Facebook at In the Six Hundred Eight and clicking Sign Up. Okay, thanks going out one more time to Tiffany Malone with the Alvarado Group uh, and the Own It program. Uh, The website, once again, ownitbbw.com. And then we've got, uh, we would also love to thank our musical interludes. Yes, the accompaniments that you've heard in between Ben and I's chatter today, uh, which include folks like Renclaw, El Donk, and the Oak Street Ramblers, among others. 
Bob Westfall, Seesaw, the Bad City Jug Band. And one final thanks going out to you, of course, who's listened to us. No, really, we like six we seriously appreciate you. No, and do. so and so does Bob Stigsell, whom some of you called, and so and so does Tiffany, because one of you is going to go right there to ownitbbw.com and drop some cash right now. I can feel it, and she's going to get a warm feeling. And it's like it's like our work here won't be done, but like it'll be like it'll be like we helped, yeah. and and that's what we're here to do. Help. Yeah. And like if you want to engage with us, the bar is very low. Like all you need to do is like Facebook message us or email us, and we will talk about you right here on the podcast. <laughs> like you're doesn't famous. take a lot of work. <laughs> all right, thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight. Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that? Could be taking names, and we could be record breaking. Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. And we could be. Singing you this waiting song